Good morning and welcome to Urin Baptist Church. I'm reading from Luke 1, 46 to 56. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He was brought down he has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful. To Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. So far, the reading of the word. I often think uh, as we uh, think of the Christmas story and, and, and we think about uh, <clears throat> baby Jesus coming into the world, and uh, Mary and Joseph being the parents, I often think, uh, wonder what, wonder what Mary and Joseph were thinking, and uh, what, how they were processing it. Well, we don't have to wonder. We do have Scripture that tells us uh, what they were thinking, and especially what Mary was thinking. And so uh, that's that's what I want to uh, think about today. What was what was Mary thinking? And um, it seems that uh, everything we know about Mary comes from Luke. And Luke, at the beginning of his gospel, says that he goes and he investigates and he talks to witnesses. And I think Luke goes and talks to Mary. And so he describes uh, Mary's uh, reflections on uh, on these incidents, and so Luke 1 and 2 uh, comes from Mary, I think. And at the end of chapter 2, it says this, after talking about Jesus growing, it says, His mother treasured all these things in her heart. Treasured all these things in her heart. Uh, the video clip I just showed you was uh, a parent uh, filming their children because they wanted to have a record and they wanted to think about it and they wanted to treasure that. And so, and so they record it and we take pictures of kids and, and uh, we, keep, uh, we keep boxes of uh, their schoolwork and, and their trophies and all the things they do. And we treasure those things. And we write down the day they f- say their first word and uh, the first day that they walk and when they go to school and when they play a sport, and when they get a good grade, and on and on, we treasure those things and we think about them. Uh, Mary does the same thing as her baby is about to be born, and as he grows, she treasures these things and she thinks about it. The first instance we have is when Gabriel goes to Mary, from Luke chapter 1, says this, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings. You are highly favored. The Lord is with you. 
Mary was greatly troubled at his words, wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was once said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. And so I asked the question, now what is Mary thinking? And as I look in there, I try to see, what, what does this tell us what she's thinking? The first thing, uh, she's scared, scared and concerned. Uh, I guess it's because angels don't greet you every day, right? Hail Mary, you who are highly favored. Uh, I don't know what she's thinking, but she is scared. Um, maybe she thinks she's going to die. Right? What, 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 does, what's the, what does the angel of death say to you before you die? We don't know, do we? <laughs> Mary didn't know either. She has no clue what's going on. What does this mean? Scared and concerned. And so, of course, the angel says, fear not. Secondly, what is she thinking? Amazement. I'm a virgin. I haven't known a man, right? I'm betrothed, but we haven't done anything. So amazed, how can this be? It doesn't make sense. I don't understand it. And then one of the great statements in the Gospel of Luke, where the angel says, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. Or the modern NIV translates it, no word from God will ever fail. Translating the exact same Greek words and possible to translate them both the same way. No word from God will ever fail. Nothing is impossible with God. Everything that God has said, He can do it. And He will do it. And He wills to do it. It's going to happen. Great thing to remember this time of year. I've been thinking about this for two weeks. Nothing is, nothing's impossible with God. And yet we, I pray, I don't know about you, I pray for the impossible all the time. Situations where you go, this person can't be saved. This life can't be redeemed. This is a disaster that can't be turned around. Are you praying for situations like that? I know I am all the time, and I go, it seems like nothing's going to work, and you need to hear the angel again saying, nothing is impossible with God. That's, by the way, that's, that's why we're praying. 
because we can't do it and we can't solve it and we need God to come and do something impossible. Number three, what is Mary thinking? Um, Mary thinks, I want to do it. Sign me up, Lord, when she says... Um, when she says, may your word to me be fulfilled. I am the Lord's servant. I love that Mary is committed to the plan. She's in, 100%. I suppose Mary could have said, no, I'm not going to do it. I don't want to be a mother. I don't want to have a child out of wedlock. Find somebody else. Uh, no, she said yes. I want to be God's servant. I read this week, uh, actually I think this was in, this might have been in the Daily Bread, The Pig and the Chicken. <clears throat> Not only is Mary committed 100%, God is committed 100%. I'll come back to The Pig and the Chicken in a second. Joanne and I watched a movie this week. It was recommended by the president of the fellowship, Steve Jones. The name of the movie is Arrival. And uh, it's a science fiction movie. And it's supposed, it's written to have religious overtones. And some, uh, some spacecraft arrive from outer space. There happens to be 12 of them. And they station themselves around the planet. And uh, there are these weird creatures on the spacecraft. They look like squid. And they have, seven, they have seven legs. By the way, seven legs, 12 spacecraft. Supposed to remind you of something. And they have seven legs, but they don't, they don't talk. Instead, they kind of squirt ink. And the ink goes into a circle. And so it takes them a long time to interpret. What are these squid-like outer space people trying to say to us? And uh, what they have done is they have come to save the planet. I'm not going to tell you the rest of the movie because it might spoil it if you want to watch it. But here they have come. They have come to this planet and they have come to save humanity and they've come to save humanity because they themselves need to be saved. Weird, weird, weird movie, but interesting. And I thought about it and I thought, you know something... Uh, the Christmas story is similar to that. We do believe that there is life that is not on the planet Earth. Right? We believe that. God is not on the planet Earth. Angels don't live on the Earth. Demons don't live on the Earth. Right? They're just here to show up and, and do some things. They have another abode somewhere else, but they come and they visit our planet all of the time, and they have interaction with our planet all of the time, and what's, the, what's most wonderful is that God himself comes into this planet and comes into our world to be a human being, to communicate with us, and you don't have to, you don't have to read the ink. <laughs> Right? He doesn't squirt ink. 
and he doesn't come up with some weird language that we have to learn to communicate with him. He comes into our world. He becomes a human being so that he can tell us about God. He shares our lives so that we can share his life. Wonderful. Right? There, there, there are aliens among us. All of the time. And the Christmas story is about that. And it has happened already. And a wonderful story. Now, I'm just setting up the chicken and the pig. (laughs) A pig and a chicken were walking down the road. And the chicken says, hey pig, I I, I was thinking we should open a restaurant. The pig replies, hmm, what should we call it? The chicken responds, how about ham and eggs? The pig thinks for a moment and says, no thanks. I'd be committed. You'd only be involved. Well, you know something, the Christmas story is about God's commitment. He's in 100% into our lives. And he commits himself and he comes and he becomes a human being. And Mary is committed 100%. She's involved. She's putting her body on the line and she's putting her, her reputation on the line and she's putting her future. She's committed 100%. But what else is Mary thinking? In your bulletin today, you have a poem. And the poem is written by Mary. It's called the Magnificat. It comes from that first line, my soul magnifies the Lord. Latin for magnification, Magnificat. It's also called Mary's song. And I think what happens is that Mary sits down and after these things happen, she thinks about it and she thinks about it and she thinks about what she's thinking and so she writes it down in poetry. And so she records it so that uh, we can sing it and we can think about it and uh, we can enjoy what God has done in her life. And I have uh, two, two big points here. Number one, what is Mary thinking The first thing she's thinking, God has done great things for me. Verse 46 through 49. Notice verse 46. Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. My soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Uh, I think we have to praise something. Praise is part of the enjoyment of life. Uh, I love sports. So guess what I can talk about? For a long time, I can talk about sports. Car guys. Do you know any car guys? Guess what they know how to talk about? They can talk about cars. Shoppers. Do you know any shoppers? (laughs) 
They can tell you about all the deals they've found (laughs) and the great prices and the great things they have bought. Uh, The things that we enjoy, we like to talk about and we like to praise. And it actually is part of the enjoyment of the thing that we love. Uh, Those things that we love, we want to talk about them. So, So it is here with Mary Uh, She loves the Lord, and she enjoys God, and she has found joy there, and so she talks about Him. My soul magnifies the Lord. It comes deep from within me, she says. My soul magnifies Him, and I enjoy Him. Now let me tell you about Him. Right? That's what she's doing. Uh, one of the reasons why you sh- you should come to church is just to talk about God and complete your enjoyment of the process of being in a relationship with God and talk to others about God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice, God has done wonderful things for me. I must praise God. And I must see my unworthiness and yet tremendous God-given status. Notice verse 48. He has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. Mary was undeserving of being the mother of Jesus. I don't know if you've ever heard that preached before. Mary was undeserving of being the mother of Jesus. That's true. She was nobody. She was lowly. She was unimportant. The reason why she was chosen to be the mother of Jesus was because of the favor, love, and the grace of God. Not because she deserved it. By the way, the same reason God saved you That's why he chose Mary. He saved you in spite of you. (laughs) He saved you because of himself, because of his love and his mercy and his grace. In fact, uh, I was reading one one commentator, and he said, this is one of the most phenomenal stories in the Bible, because here you see the work of God unfolding. And God has invested everything in bringing his son into the world. And he is also bringing John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is going to precede his son. And notice who he uses. He uses an old woman and a young teenage girl. If you were to take all of the people in the world, these are maybe two of the most unremarkable Uh, Elizabeth is a priest's daughter, but a very unimportant priest, so unimportant that uh, Zacharias hardly ever gets to serve in the temple a couple of weeks a year. Lives in a small village somewhere in Judea. We don't even know where they live. That's how unremarkable. And Mary is a young teenage girl 
living in Nazareth, a village of 40 homes in the middle of nowhere. So unimportant that no one had ever heard of it before. In fact, as we, as we look back and we read about all of the things that we have written about the first century, nobody mentions Nazareth outside of the Bible. That's how unimportant it is. You couldn't get more unimportant than people in Nazareth. And yet that's who God chooses. And for a little while, all of God's plans are invested in this old woman, past her time, and this young girl who is pledged to be married. Beautiful. Beautiful story. God uses the lowly and the humble for his purposes. That's who he uses. That's who he calls. Uh, three times, three times Gabriel tells us it's because of grace. She has found favor with God. Grace is undeserved favor or merit. No one deserves to have God pay attention to them. No one deserves that God rescues them. No one deserves that God forgives them. No one deserves that God saves them or blesses them or honors them or loves them or does anything for them. But God is generous and loving and gives his favor. So the third part of this, God has done great things for me, is Mary says, I must see that God has done great things for me. Notice what he says. Notice what she says, verse 49. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. God has done it. Second thing Mary's thinking from this poem. God's doing great things for others, verse 50. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. God is doing great things for others. His mercy goes from generation to generation to those who fear him. Uh, God does great things for Mary. I'm thankful that his mercy extends to generation after generation. And I wrote down in my notes, God's mercy even extends to baby boomers. And even Gen X. And now his mercy even extends to millennials. But notice there's something you must do. Here it says you must fear him. His mercy extends to those who fear him. Now I, I wrote down just some quick things. What does it mean to fear God? Now, it means to reverence him and respect him and hold him in awe. And uh, it also means to fear him. But I wrote down some other things just to help drive it home. What does it mean to fear God? I have to care what God thinks. So you don't fear God when you don't care what he thinks. That's most of the world, right? 
That's most of the world. They don't care what God thinks. They don't care what God thinks on a certain subject. They don't care what God thinks about what they should do with their lives or how they should treat sex. They don't care. That's not fearing God. Or, I don't fear God when I choose not to act as if He exists. I choose to act as if He doesn't exist. That's not fear. And the following verses tell us what the people are like who don't fear God. It says they're proud, they're the rulers, and they're the rich. They don't fear God. The proud don't fear God because they think they are God. The rulers don't fear God because they have everything they want. And the rich don't fear God because they fear, their, they fear losing their money. God's mercy is for those who fear Him. I wonder today if you fear Him. Notice verse 51 through 54. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. God is against the proud. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. But instead, He lifts up the humble. That's what Mary's thinking. God's done it for me. He'll do it for everyone else who's humble. God will lift them up. He has filled the hungry with good things. Is it good to be poor and hungry? I guess so. You can depend upon God. The rich, He sends away empty. He has helped His servant Israel, remembering to be merciful. to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised. God is active and working in this world, and Mary sees it. She writes about it. God is the actor. God's the main doer. And Mary is just the tool that he uses. As uh, Mark Lowry was thinking about writing a Christmas song. He thought about this. What did Mary think about and what did she know? And here's the song that he wrote. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? That child that you delivered will soon deliver you? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will give sight to a blind man? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will calm the storm with his hand? Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? When you kiss your little baby, you kiss the face of God? The blind will see, the deaf will hear, the dead will live again, the lame will leap, the dumb will speak, the praises of the Lamb. Mary, did you know 
that your baby boy is Lord of all creation? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day rule the nations? Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamb? The sleeping child you're holding is the great I am. Mary, did you know? Well, wouldn't it be great to have the same attitudes as Mary this Christmas? My soul magnifies the Lord and rejoices in God my Savior. God has looked down on my humbleness and He has lifted me up because of His grace. God has done mighty things. God pours His blessing into our lives through His Son who He sent to this earth. Uh, Do you know? Do you know today Jesus Christ? Do you know? He's the Lord of all creation. Do you know He came to save us from our sins? And did you know that He he wants to be a part of your life today? And now it's up to you. Accept Him, receive Him, trust in Him, and believe in Him. 